today we're taking a little break from our series, uh, Stories of Honor, uh, to do something actually that's in sync with a lot of other churches in the city. Uh, there was an idea that bubbled up in this uh, thing called the Vancouver Consultation, which was a bunch of pastors from Vancouver getting together, and about the idea of all preaching out of the exact same text on the same Sunday. So that's this Sunday. And the passage that was selected for us by whoever selected these passages was a passage in Matthew, uh, Matthew uh, 25, and it's, it's the parable of the sheep and the goats. And so uh, they did not pick an easy passage for everybody to conquer at the same time. If you know this, if you know this parable, it's, uh, it's very stark, it's very black and white, and uh, kind of extreme also. And so I'd like to read um, the parable in its entirety, it's maybe about 12 verses or so, and, uh, and then we'll jump in. So uh, you can turn, if you'd like, to Matthew 25, verse 31. Starting in verse 31, I believe it'll be on the screen as well. And we're going to read all the way until uh, 46. So 31 to 46. Starts about halfway through chapter 25, verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit down on his throne in heavenly glory, and all the nations will gather before him. And he will separate people from one another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will come to those on his right. Come, you who are blessed by, the fa- by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? The king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did not do for me uh, of the least of these, whatever you did not do for me of the least of these, you did not do for, you did not do for me. When they, then they will go away. To eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Father, this is uh, this is a difficult passage uh, that you shared with us, and uh, we ask you that would speak you would speak life through it. God, I pray that you would um, give us the ability now to see your heart in this, that you would uh, give us the ability to see um, the truth uh, in this passage uh, for this time. So, God, I pray that you would just be powerful here and. And to help us understand these things. In Jesus' name, amen. So, uh, probably like you, when I first read this passage, the, 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 the big red flag that I think jumps out to everybody is it, it just seems a lot like works righteousness, doesn't it? It seems a lot like um, there's just a whole bunch of prerequisites now for getting into heaven. And there's like a list. You got to feed people and clothe people and visit them in prison. And you got uh, to welcome them in. The title of the message that was... Uh, that we were encouraged to call this message, and all the churches doing this at the same time today, was welcoming the stranger, okay? So 
uh, if you don't welcome the stranger, you're not part of God's kingdom. And of course, the first thing that I'm thinking when I read that just off the top is, uh, I, did, I, th- I didn't think that was the deal. I, didn't, I thought it was this whole by grace I've been saved thing. So we know that works aren't the way that we get into heaven. We know that um, the actual welcoming of the stranger is not, is not what brings us into relationship with God. We know that he did that. In fact, let's just make sure that we have got this down. I've got a whole, I'm going to read four Bible verses that we probably all have heard before, but let's, before we go any further, let's just make sure this is true together. So John 1, 12, you can put that up. Um, uh, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Another one, Acts 15, 11, is... No, we believe it through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved, just as they are. Another one, Romans 3, 22 to 24. Uh, this righteousness is given, though faith in Jesus Christ, to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. And uh, just to Ephesians 8 to 9. Last one. There we go. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Or more, yeah, not by works, so that no one can boast. Okay, so this is just obvious. It goes, there was, you know, you do a word study on this, and there's just passage after passage about how it's not about works, and yet you read these things, and it says, you didn't clothe me, you didn't feed me, you did not feed the sick, and you're over to this other side. And when you read the second half of that, that passage, it's just so black and white. And you even feel bad for the people saying, we didn't even know it was you. If we knew it was you, we would have done it. Like, give us a break. And I don't know about you, but when I read that, I'm going, this is just really, really extreme. So, uh, what, uh, what, is, what, is, what is Jesus trying to tell us through this? What is he trying to, why would he use such an external uh, measuring stick in this particular explanation of what it means to be saved? Uh, it means to have salvation. What is the point of that? So, uh, even in the passage itself, Jesus is making it clear uh, that the parable, uh, that the, the, the sheep's salvation is not based on their works. Their inheritance was since the creation of the world. It even says it, by the creation of the world. Long before they could have even done any good works. It was, it was their inheritance. The word is inheritance is used. So we know that it actually had nothing to do with the welcoming of the stranger that got them the salvation because it was already prepared for them. It was already there. They're just participating in it somehow. So uh, the main question that I just, I'd like to address today is um, uh, why are those who don't welcome the stranger uh, not welcome in God's kingdom? Why are they not welcome? Uh, when I read this, uh, it seems like those who are being condemned, uh, it, it almost seems like they could have even known God. The, it, it, there's no like, it's like, we, we, when did we see you, Lord? Almost, you, can, you can almost imagine them saying, if we would have known, I, uh, we, we, we should have just been more clear. I mean, I'm trying to put myself in their shoes. And yet, why does he use, what is the point of describing salvation in this external way? And this is, I just have two things that I'd like to share with us that I think are important, and I think are the things that Jesus is trying to highlight here in this heavy teaching. And the first one is that God's people will love others. They just will. And that, uh, when, I, when I hear that, I'm like, oh, oh good. Oh, good. I'm, uh, I just will. And that feels like easier. If, doesn't it feel easier to you when you're like, oh, okay, so I just will, and I'll just, I'll just want to. Fantastic. I can now just wait until I want to or something. Like, it feels like a bit of an escape for me personally. Like, I don't have to go do it. Okay, good. It's not about works. I'll just want to. Fantastic. But if you actually flip it on its head for a second and go, oh, shoot, you know, why don't I want to? 
And as I was reading this, you know, it's uh, God's people will love others. God's people will. They, they, they will. It'll be an extension of who they are. And so uh, what I wrote down here is the good works mentioned in this parable are not the cause of salvation, but rather the effect of salvation. They're not the cause, but they're the effect. So as Christians, we, we just become like Christ. That's, that's, that's what happens. We become like him. And let's put a few Bible verses up there just to prove that. Romans 8, 29. Um, for, those, uh, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son so that, my, they, so that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Um, another one is 2 Corinthians 3, 18. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Another one is Colossians 2, 6-7. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives then, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in, in faith, as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. And so there's this, it, uh, I don't know, sometimes I read the New Testament, and it's, I find it's just making a whole lot of assumptions about me as a Christian. Do you, ever, do you ever just feel that, where you're like, and then you're going to be this, and then you're going to be that, and then following Jesus makes you this way, and I'm written here, I'm going, wow, I don't know if I, uh, I don't know if I feel that way. I don't know if I, I don't know if I feel, feel totally transformed right now. And uh, I had to just let this sit with me for this last week, going, um, there's a whole lot of promises about God transforming our hearts, strengthening in faith as you were taught, and overflowing, all these beautiful, overflowing with thankfulness, welcoming the stranger, all these things. Um, and, uh, and as it got me thinking, I, I, I just began to realize that the parts of my life that I think have brought the most glory to God, I think this is true, the parts of my life that have brought the most glory to God, I feel like have almost been accidental. Okay, and I'll explain what I mean by that. I, I feel like they've been, uh, they've kind of just been obvious. And maybe if you, if you have examples of this, I'm, I'm hoping this will come up and this will bubble up in your heart, okay? Because I was wrestling with it. Is uh, sometimes, I've been told, not, not a lot of times, maybe not as many times as my parents have, but people have told me things like, how, how did you do that? You know, how did you love that person well? Or how did you care about that? How did you do it, okay? It's a little bit narcissistic, but people have asked. Maybe people have asked you that question as a Christian, in your, maybe in your workplace, or maybe you're the only Christian in your family, and some people will say, how do you, how do you love like that? How do you, and it's a huge witness. And I don't know if you've ever been asked that question, I find it almost impossible to answer. I find it almost impossible to say, oh, this is, this is why. And I was trying to retrace, like, when have been times when I welcomed the stranger, I could think of a few moments, maybe not as many as I should have, but I, I could think of a few moments. And every time, it was like, of course I did. It was like a non, it, was a, it, was, it wasn't even a decision. It was like, a, a, if you put, if, you, if I go back to that situation, it was like, well, of course I welcomed the stranger. And uh, I, I stopped for a minute and I was like, this is actually incredibly good news because Jesus is simply describing what is a natural no-brainer for a transformed heart. Now, I've got a long way to go. we all got a long way to go. But I also find it very comforting that God brings the most glory to himself in the places where I'm the most transformed 
And it's not that it's effortless, it's not that it's not costly, but it's an of course moment. In fact, it's probably the most costly moment. It's probably the most uncomfortable moment. But it's not like a, how do you answer the how'd you do it? How'd you do that? I, I never know. I never know how to answer that question. And so this is, uh, I, you can look at the passage one way going, oh, this seems rather, you know, condemning. I have to do all this stuff now. Or it's like this huge breath of fresh air where it's like, hold on a second. God actually can transform me into a way, into, into a, uh, God can actually dwell in my heart so much that the most costly things, the things that seem like they're uh, the most difficult to do, can become so obvious. I want that. Another, uh, another thing that perhaps is being highlighted here is uh, I find that, that works, if we can just keep using that word, works, in the context for, uh, works are the context for the main point, which is relationship with God and with others. They're the main point. Can we put Ephesians 2.10 up there? I love Ephesians 2.10. Did you grab this one, Vic? Did it make it in? No? I can find it. Oh, look at you go. For we are God's handiwork, created in Jesus Christ to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Let's just read that again. For, for we are God's handiwork. That's, that's like about us created in Christ Jesus. See, you hear the closeness in this? Do you, do you see how, how together the intention of works are in this, in this potential passage? For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And I just, I can't help but see that there's just this oozing of a desire for relationship and for, the, and for some kind of context to be with him and to do things. And so when I think when, when Jesus looks at the people on his right and, and, uh, and the, the people that, are, that have, that have you know, welcomed the stranger, it's, I don't think it's so much about how many strangers were welcomed or how many people were clothed and fed, although that must have happened. I feel like God's heart would be, we've spent a lot of time together. Do you know what I mean? We must have spent a ton of time together over the last, uh, whenever they were, we, we must have. Because you wouldn't have done those things had my spirit not been dwelling in you. Had you not been my handiwork. Had we not been one together. And so again, I felt so guilty for reading this passage first and going, oh, this is kind of a bummer. And yet God's just describing this, these people have been walking hand in hand with me for so long. They're part of my kingdom. I love that. I also think that works are only acceptable to God because of the re relationship that exists between servant and master, the saved and their savior, and, and the sheep and their shepherd. So uh, what I love about this parable is that it's, it, I find it perfectly designed to highlight our heart posture. And here's what I mean by that. It's perfectly, this, 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 this way of describing salvation is so helpful for us there's just no way out of our hearts being the point of this parable, and I'll explain why. Um, so just, just, to, just to explain, if Jesus doesn't make being with him about loving others, but only him. You know, like if he doesn't make it about any sort of external anything, and it's just about us, it's just about being really close with, with the Father and just about spending as much alone time as, as you can, and it's all about this connection. If it's never about loving others at all, then that... Uh, that doesn't, that doesn't require nearly as much of a transformed heart. If it was Jesus sitting on the side of the road and all those, all those examples, you know, if it was, if it was um, 
uh, if it was obviously our Savior who needed clothing, if it was obviously our Savior who needed to be visited, or, or well, of course we would. Like, we would be, and then all of a sudden, it's not about our heart so much anymore. It's just the obvious thing to do. It's, well, of course we would, because it's Jesus, and I would probably have a lot to gain from actually serving that person, wouldn't you? <laughs> but I love how Jesus disguises himself. He disguises himself as the least. He disguises himself, and he calls them their brothers and sisters, which I just love. He, who you did to the least of my brothers and sisters. He disguises himself as his own creation. Maybe it's not that clever of a disguise. But uh, I like that he does that. When I first read it, a little annoyed that he was being a little covert. And then when you realize that God is perfectly designing these moments for us to have a transformed heart, all of a sudden it becomes very, very helpful. So if, uh, if Jesus doesn't make being with him about loving others, but only him, that doesn't require a transformed heart. And then on the flip side, if Jesus makes it entirely contingent on serving others, uh, if, it, if that's, you know, earning our, you know, earning our salvation with works, now we'd all love people for the wrong reasons and the world wouldn't be a very loving place at all because we'd all just be trying to love people the best and that's just religion. And I, I, the more and more I read this scripture, the more and more, what a beautiful little scalpel this is. It just, and it cuts away every sort of potential selfishness. Just beautifully, just, oh, I can't, oh, I can't be about me at all. And, it's, and then you're like, well, and then you get mad at God a little bit. You're like, oh, it's about works. And it's like, oh, no, 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 but I, but I wanted to be close to you. And you're like, ah, oh, shoot, that's really loving. And every time I try to make it God's fault and try to be annoyed that he made some external things we needed to do, every time I tried, you see his heart in it. And you see how much he loves you. And you see the way that these things are actually so perfectly designed to help us love God and love others. And I suppose my favorite part about how, I guess, tough it is, it's tough, is heart, heart posture can only be transformed by the Spirit. And perhaps this is the reason why he does it. Perhaps this is the reason why it's a little tricky. Is uh, all of a sudden it just requires him. And it requires the cross. And it requires us to be transformed by the Spirit. Which is kind of the whole point of the thing. And so, I mean, Romans 12, 1 and 2, we can put up there. I mean, all these verses. But therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy... To offer yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not, be, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So if none of this has made sense to you, and perhaps maybe it was too technical, and I don't know. Uh, there's just, wow, can we rest on that? This last then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So I think we oftentimes we can get so confused of, when is this about me? Well, or was that one about me? Or There's an amazing episode of Friends, maybe you've seen it, where Joey is one of the characters and he can't do something selfless. Has anyone seen this episode? Maybe not. He can't do something selfless because he tries and then all of a sudden it ended up benefiting somebody else. Or... And then he, then he really finds something selfless to do. And he, he, there's no way it can benefit him at all. And then he's like, and, and at the end he's just like, oh, sweet. And he's like, crap, I feel good about it. And it's this beautiful little moment where he can't do a selfless thing. I love it. Um, so maybe there's, you know, I, I find it frustrating. Am I being selfless? Is this a time where this is for me? Or is it, am I really serving you now? Am I a goat or a sheep? And we make it so much about the external things we do. And we squint and make sure that it's not about us. 
I think that's just, a, I think that's probably just a vain pursuit. I don't know if we're ever going to figure this out. But according to Romans 12, 1 and 2, I want to have a transformed heart and a transformed mind. That feels like a wonderful pursuit. That feels like a one that needs Jesus. <laughs> and so uh, I guess my, the, the point of this passage for me has been, um, you're just going to need me. And yeah, there's a world that needs to be saved. And there's people, there's strangers that need welcoming. And no, you're still in. And how do we, oh man, it's complicated. And then at the end of the day, God's like, my spirit will transform you. And so if you're like me, I'll hear the spirit thing as a ticket out of obedience. That's what I'd hear it as. as a, like a, I'm like a you know, veteran Christian, been a Christian my whole life. I've got all the excuses down pat. And all of a sudden I go, ah, it's up to the spirit which is code in my religious brain for I don't have to do anything. <laughs> I don't know if anybody's like me. But as soon as it's up to the spirit, that's, that's just instantly translated into you're off the hook in my head. <laughs> I, don't know why, I don't know why. I just, it's really bad. Uh, but if we're reading these passages and we're, and we're looking at Romans and we're saying don't conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, I just, um, what a wonderful pursuit that is. I don't want to be transformed, and I want the things, I, I don't, I don't want to I don't wanna have to process so much as to whether I'm a sheep or a goat. I want, to, I want to be a sheep to just be a no-brainer, and at the end of the day, I'm like, when did I, when was I, when did I serve you? At what point was I, and God's like, oh, you're serving me the whole time, because I was dwelling in you and living in you, and that gives me so much hope. So, just in conclusion, there's, there's two ways you can look at this passage. I think they're both okay, but I like the second one more. The first one is with fear and trembling. And it's uh, the, oh, I need to get my act together and get right with God so that I can have a transformed heart. That's not a bad thing. I, I don't see anything wrong with that. I think sometimes the reality checks are, I am not walking with the Spirit. That's a good thing. Fear and trembling. Good, uh, that's, a, that's a great <laughs> takeaway from a, from a harsh parable like this. Um, and then there's, there's, a, there's the second one, which I'm just resonating with in my spirit as I was preparing, is, is actually just being in awe of God. And what I mean by that is, I am just in awe of how powerful the cross is. That he could actually help me change in my innermost being. That uh, salvation isn't a ticket to heaven at the end of our life. It's a completely changed heart and mind. I'm in awe of that. And I think the more and more we try to look at our actions, we take a step back and go, good, bad, bad, good, good, bad. I do this all the time. And instead of, I feel like God's just saying, the cross is so much more powerful than that. Would you walk with me? Would you dwell with me? Would you link hand, would you humble yourself? Would you be vulnerable? Would you let me change you? Would you, would you let me be close to you? And all of a sudden, the good, bad, bad, good is just, it's of course. <laughs> and it's not so, it's not so tricky. So, Yet again, Jesus asked us to do something that, that he died and, and, and that he did for us first. And I, I, I think every time you preach a hard message about something and it requires us to uh, pursue Christ more or sacrifice something or long for something more, more often than not, Jesus exemplified it, you know, as better than we ever could. And I'm so grateful that he exemplified what it was to uh, willingly, to willingly welcome all of us as the stranger, to willingly clothe all of us, to willingly say, of course. And it's the hardest thing ever, and it was, and he wrestled with it, 
but, you know, this, we could safe to say the Spirit was mo- working through him pretty well. <laughs> Same person. Don't know how that works. But he's totally in line with the Spirit. And it's so hard, so tricky, and yet it's an of course I will. And with, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. I just, it's one of my favorite passages. And so, perhaps a good place to end, if you haven't ended somewhere yet in your mind, is just a, a gratitude for how well Jesus exemplified this for us. And how he so, so willingly was led by the Spirit. So I'm going to invite the, the worship team to come back up. And uh, we're going to sing a few songs in response to this. And uh, if, you'd like to, if you'd like to take communion, it's available up here. Uh, we do communion, you know, as a group once a, once a month, but every other Sunday we just have it available for you to come take it privately with a friend, and there's also people that could pray for you on the side, and perhaps there's something that you want to repent from, and please don't, if you're going to repent from something, I'm, I'm really hoping that what the takeaway wasn't repent from not clothing enough people or welcoming enough strangers. I, I, I perhaps, perhaps that could be, but if I had to pick, if I had to pick a, a healthy thing to repent from, uh, I would pick, Father, I have not, you know, walked in your spirit. Father, I have not um, let my mind and heart be transformed by you. I've been too scared of what that might mean. I've been too scared of who you might ask me to do things for should I let you transform my mind. (laughs) And uh, I think that's really wrong. I think that's wrong. And that's worth repenting for. So, Father, um, thank you for the, uh, just the, Thank you for having the courage and boldness to risk being misunderstood in a passage like this. Uh, thank you for spelling out salvation in a way that is, is a hard truth. But God, I pray that we would be, I pray that we would be people that welcomed the stranger. I pray that we would be known and be people that would, that would clothe who need to be clothed. Not because we're trying to earn something. Not because we feel guilty about not doing it. But because we're walking with you. And God, I, I just personally admit that uh, that feels, um, that, doesn't, that doesn't feel like something I want to do. It, 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 it's vulnerable, and it, and it, and it hurts, and it's, it's costly. But God, I want to be in a relationship with you. I don't just want to tick the boxes that you laid out for us. I want to be walking with your spirit. Because God, it's only by your grace we are saved. It's only by your grace that we are able to walk with you. And it's by your saving power that you would transform our mind and help you and help us to follow you in ways that we never would otherwise. And if we did, it'd be for the wrong reasons. God, we are just in awe of the power of the, that the cross has and that the Holy Spirit has to give us a different life to give us a new life that walks in freedom. And freedom does not mean less to do. In fact, freedom often means walking with you into the harder things. But God, we do, we, we are not content with a broken world and neither are you. You're not content with, 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 with strangers that have yet to be welcomed in. And so we, we enter into that tension with you. And as we do, we require you all the more. So I pray that we'd be able to worship you now in response and that you'd draw close to us. In Jesus' name, amen.